I want to introduce Leah Mosser this morning to share with us about Destiny Rescue. And uh, I know some of us were able to hear this last week, but she's a prettier face on the subject, don't you think? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. So I'm just going to share. I had two choices to get really nervous and try to have something really great figured out. Or just to get up here and talk to you guys like family, because so many of you I do know like family. So I chose the second. Um, Anthony shared last week and just was really compelling and moved all of our hearts. And so I'm going to share today, maybe not as compelling, but um, Anthony and I are, one of our gifts is giving. So we just, we're always kind of open to how God might have us give to missions, really, to the lost And about a year ago, we were listening to a preacher preach, and he was saying something about um, um, like a prostitution going on in Asia with little girls. And it was really the first we had ever heard about that, and we were actually quite stunned. And so we called this pastor's ministry and said, how can we get involved supporting? And they said, well, we haven't really found a ministry that's rescuing these child prostitutes. And so then we called Gospel for Asia, which is another ministry we're really involved in. They didn't have anything we could help. And all we knew was there was some kind of child prostitution going on in Asia with with girls and boys, too, actually. And so that was a year ago. We didn't find anything. And then a few months ago, my husband was sitting on the couch, and, and he just kind of got a picture of himself in Thailand um, in an orphanage or with, like, all these girls being rescued. And he was, like, really excited about it. And the very next day, his sister called and started telling him about this ministry that her and her husband are getting really involved in, and it's called Destiny Rescue. Um, And it's all about rescuing the girls that are sold into prostitution in Thailand, Cambodia, Mozambique, India. And so about a month later, he jumped on a plane and flew up to Washington to meet with the head speaker for America. His name is Peter And he spent a night there and um, got to really learn a lot about what is going on in Asia. Um, Basically, just in a nutshell, about three to 5,000 girls, as young as five, and then going on up, are sold into um, the sex slave trade every single day. Um, Basically, what happens is in places like Thailand, they, there's a lot of refugees, people without citizenship, trying to flee, you know, bad circumstances. So trying to scrape a living just for a meal, it becomes a huge task. And a lot of bad people prey on them. And they go in and they say, hey, we have some wealthy landowners that need a servant. We'll pay you some good money to buy your daughter. She'll have a good life. You could see her here and there. And they sell their daughters. And the daughters are taken hours away, never to return. And... <clears throat> they're taken to brothels and saloons, and they're taken, and basically, um, like I said, as young as five, they are put into rooms and just told to wait there for whoever comes in and to meet the, the requests of the man coming through the door. And they get raped, and they are raped three to five times every single day for the rest of their lives. Um, a lot of them die young because of disease, and then a lot of them just get too sick to work. That's, you know, it's it's really a sad, I mean, even to the point that some of the girls are so used up that they have doctors come in and sew them up so that they can keep working. I mean, it, and, and he said some of the stories that Peter, the American representative, told him 
He, he didn't even tell me. He's just like, it's so sad. It's so bad. Well, so he's learning this stuff from Peter. And Peter's kind of a cool guy. He's from Australia. And um, him and his wife were vacationing in Thailand. And they learned about this, this slave trade. They didn't know. They went home, sold their house in Australia, and are now living in Indiana in the basement of their sister's house. They have four kids. And they're trying to get it known in America because this is they, the ministry is from Australia, and it's been going since 2001. So they're just starting up in America. And a lot of us don't know. We hear this and we're like, we think maybe there's a few isolated incidences, but it is a huge, fast-growing trade over there. Um, well, basically what Destiny Rescue does, they, they do three things. One is they rescue. And what they do is they just, um, they'll go into these brothels like a paying customer, and um, they give the girl an opportunity to leave with them. And it's pretty tricky. They kind of got to sneak out, or the pimps aren't really aware that that's what's going to happen. So I think they kind of have the upper hand that way. And, and they get them out of there, um, and they take them to safe houses where um, they're guarded and gated and everything because it's, you know, it's kind of a careful thing. And they take them to these safe houses. They start ministering the love of God to them. Um, they give them medical attention because their bodies are messed up. And 100% of the girls that are told about Jesus, which is all of them, all receive him. And they all receive his love. And they're all saved and loved. And they have workers there to do that. And then the next thing they do is they rehabilitate them. They treat, teach them a trade. I don't know if you guys noticed the jewelry when you came in. All the jewelry out there was made by girls that have been rescued from prostitution. Because Destiny Rescue wants to equip them for when they are 18, that they can go out and be healthy and make a living. So they, um, that's one of the things they do. They teach them how to make jewelry. They teach them some other things. They rehabilitate them. They stay in these safe houses until they're 18. And the other thing Destiny Rescue does is they do prevention. They go into some of these villages where these sick people pray, and they let them know, hey, (laughs) this is not a true thing, you know, what these people are saying. What really is going to happen to your family is this. And then they try to train them up to make money so that they don't fall prey to these people coming in. So that, in a nutshell, is what um, Destiny Rescue does. So we, Anthony and I got this information, and we felt like, of course, immediately we started giving to that and praying, but we felt a responsibility like we needed to tell others that if any, if other people knew this, that they too would want to be involved with rescuing these poor innocent girls. And that's the reason that we're up here, is because we feel like we want to share with you. Well, um, we read Isaiah 58, and I want to read it to you guys because it really... Uh, spoke to us, 58, 1 through 11, so bear with me. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast, tell my people Israel of their sins, yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to hear my laws. You would almost think this was a righteous nation that would never abandon its God. They love to make a show of coming to me and asking me to take action on their behalf. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have done much penance, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why. It's because you are living for yourselves, even while you are fasting. You keep right on oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like a blade of grass in the wind. You dress in sackcloth and cover yourself with ashes. Is that what you call fasting? Do you really think that this will please the Lord? No. The kind of fasting I want 
calls you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned and to stop oppressing those who work for you. Treat them fairly. Give them what they earn. I want you to share your food with the hungry and to welcome poor wanderers into your homes. Give clothes to those who need them. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. If you do these things, your salvation will come like the dawn. Yes, your healing will come quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply, stop oppressing the helpless and stop making false accusations and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as day. The Lord will guide you continually, watering your life when you are dry and keeping you healthy too. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Well, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I was convicted. I said, I do not want to be the Christian that has all my ducks in a row, and I'm so holy, and I love you, God. And he's looking at me like, that is not the holiness I'm talking about. The life I want to see is one whose heart is open to those that are oppressed, to to the innocent to those that don't even have a choice in the matter. They are taken. There is no choice. I was like, Lord, I mean, one of my greatest desires is that I want to please him. And when I get up there one day, I do not want him to look at me. I know I'll be in, but I don't want him to look at me and, and, and say, you missed it. I see your heart, but you missed it. This is his heart. His heart is rescuing these girls, rescuing the innocent. And... I know when you when you hear these statistics, they're shocking. I mean, when we heard it, I felt like somebody hit us with a baseball bat. And there's a part of you that almost wants to stay in your bubble and go three to five thousand a day. What can I do? But I want to encourage you that if every one of us who is touched right now make a decision to to have the heart of God and to be a help, then we will make a difference. And you know what? We're personally responsible for what God does on our heart. We are not responsible for the three to 5,000 every day. We're just responsible for what he wants us to do. Now, Destiny Rescue has a few ways that you can be involved buying jewelry, and we can get more shipments when, our, when the jewelry runs out. Like I said, you can wear that and pray knowing that these girls made it, <laughs> these rescued little sweet girls. That's one real simple, easy way, and you get something in return. Another way is you can sponsor a girl for $30 a month. It takes about three people to sponsor one girl, but they divide it up so that a girl is never not, you know, sponsored. But $30 a month, and you get a girl, somebody to pray for. Um, those are the two kind of the main ways. They're also, they, they are building safe houses in Thailand, Cambodia, Mozambique, all over. And so needless to say, they're raising big amounts of money to build these safe houses. So donations, I mean, you can just donate money to that. But I would encourage you, we are such a blessed people. Even our poverty is, is rich compared to what they have. I mean, I, I doubt there's one of us in this room that really has to figure out how we're going to eat lunch today. Well, we're blessed. And I feel like for, for my family that we want to use this blessing to, to make a difference. And so I would encourage you to, to search your heart and see, you know, what could you maybe cut out? What could you say? You know what, God? 
I'm serious about my love for you, and I'm serious about your love for others. So I will cut this out to honor you. And you know what? It might hurt. It might be a sacrifice. This might I might love whatever it is, manicures, going out to eat. I mean, whatever one of our... I mean, I know people that are saying they're in poverty, and they're still going to the tanning salon. I mean, you know, our poverty is a little bit different here. So it's like we can cut out some stuff. And you know what? If it's hard, great. Your heart is God's. Because when we start making sacrifices because of him and his heart, that is truly living for him. So I just, instead of anybody walking out of here feeling overwhelmed and like there's nothing I can do, I would encourage you to walk out of here going, what can I do? I will do something. I will not take these emotions that God has given me to, of, of, of a burden for these people and just go, oh, I, I feel God, I feel that, that's sad, and be done. Let's do something with that. Um, Anthony and I will be in the back at the end of service. We can. A- There's so many questions I'm sure you might have. We can answer them. So feel free to ask. And the last thing I just want to do, oh, I wanted to say 100% of support goes to Destiny Rescue. It is not like supporting American leaders or any of that. All the money goes to the girls or the orphanage or, or the, the safe house, whatever you designate. The very last thing I want to do is just pray. So if you guys would pray with me, I would love it. Oh, Lord, I thank you. You are the best father any of us could ever have. Your love for us is as high as the height of the heavens is above the earth. We love you. I thank you for each person in this room that we are all safe. Our children are safe. You have blessed us, God. Thank you that my children will never know this life. Thank you that I don't need to scrape a meal up today, God. You've, you've blessed us abundantly. And I just want to say thank you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come right now and that you would minister to each person in here and that you would show them their part in the Great Commission. Show them what you want them to do to help in this, uh, in this ministry, Lord. We love you and we want to be your vessels on this earth. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And we lift up Destiny Rescue and we praise God that somebody didn't get scared by the need, but they stood up and they decided to make a difference. Bless them, God, abundantly with more money than they could know what to do, with more help than they could know what to do with. Rescue those girls and let them know your love in the real way that it is for them, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And just bless the speaker today in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Anthony, Proverbs 12.4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. And you got one, bro. You got one. As we turn our hearts to the Word this morning, a couple of just reminders. And I want to say thank you to BJ and Linda Stangle and Joe for putting together the Operation Christmas Child this year and for all of you who made a box, and I know some of you still have to run home and get yours and bring it back, but uh, today's the day, leaving at about 1.30 to take those down. So thank you to the Stangles for helping us do this this year. <clears throat> if you're visiting with us to let you know uh, you're waiting for the offering, we don't do that. Uh, we have boxes on the wall, and there's some envelopes in the chairs, or if you're writing a check, you can just drop it in. It's pretty casual. But we still believe in tithe and offering. Amen. 
I mean, we're talking about great offerings to Destiny uh, Rescue here this morning that could be an ongoing uh, mission attempt and a giving process that will rescue lives. And um, but I like focus on the family's approach to this. They always send their support letter out, and and at the end, Dr. Dobson will write, you know, now after you've taken care of your tithe at your church, if you've got something you want to use to bless focus on the family, we'd appreciate it. Well, I'm the front end of that message. Amen? <laughs> and I appreciate his attitude, and I have the same heart uh, that we tithe. It's my contention that if a church body will tithe as unto the Lord, that the church will never have any financial issues to deal with to speak of. We'll just always have enough to work with and more. So be blessed in your giving this morning. And a kind of a shout-out on the recording here this morning to all those that listen to us on the Internet or by distance or uh, you know, we want to say hello to you, people like Bob and Jolene and Pat and and uh, Danny and David. These are people that we know that are not able to be with us here, but they tune in and catch us on the on our website. So God bless you guys, too, out there. I wish we could smile at you and you could see us. I'd hold the mic out so you could see all the smiling faces, but it won't work. <laughs> so God bless you anyway. Um, glad this morning to have Pastor Rob preaching to us the Word of God. I know you've been waiting. Get your pencils out, and you got a message to deal with today. Amen. Get them, Rob. Worship. That's hot. Worship team, just we are going to have them come back up and do one more song. But I think we're going to going to do possibly do that at the end of the message, if that's okay. Boy, look at all of those semi-smiling faces. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> hey, praise the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm going to move this, but not, not lose it completely. Sitting there listening to Leah speak and, and going, Lord, how do I possibly come up and share anything after this? You know, uh, can, can you relate with that? You know, you know, just to, to you know, be transparent and real as, as she's sharing, the worship team was going to come and do another song. And they, they were going to do Give Thanks. And I went, how do you do that? How, how, do, you, how do you come after a moment of, of that and, and almost even joyfully say Give, give Thanks? My, my thing would would I fall into the trap of going, God, I thank you that I'm not in another country. You know, and, and, and that's a danger. I, I've wrestled with that. God, thank you that I wasn't born in Central America or Asia. And that's not the, the reason we give thanks. We give thanks because God is God and God is good. And and we get we get inundated with this information that that truthfully probably most of us like to hide from. You know, we don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. I was one of those listening to the statistics three to five thousand a day, and and because I, I always want to make sure things are accurate, I went and researched it myself. Because that just can we be honest for a second? Who said that sounds like it's too many? Not just it's it like I don't even believe that that's that's happening. That's too high. I actually went. I can't believe that it's that high. Are these statistics skewed? That's just that's how I work. And and so I went and researched it and found that no, these are the right statistics. This is really happening. 
you know, we've heard for many years of, of the arms trade, our arm, arms dealing. I mean, you know, illegal guns is huge. There's wars all over the world, right? And we know that, you, you may know that that's the second largest criminal activity in the world is, is dealing arms. That would include nuclear missiles, arms, weapons. Illegal human trafficking. Human trafficking has surpassed illegal arms deals. It is now the second most lucrative crime in the world. Did you know nuclear weapons cost a lot of money? And that illegal trafficking has now surpassed that amount. This is real. And we sit here this week today in, in the face of a message that's kind of light and fun. And I think, God, where are we going? And it's perfect. See, we're coming into the time of Thanksgiving. And I love Thanksgiving. It's a great time for families to get together and eat turkey and mashed potatoes. And, and the real kind of mashed potatoes, you know, not the kind that comes out of the box. You know, for, for many of us, that's what, that's what we eat. Actually, in my house, my wife has banned boxed mashed potatoes. She doesn't eat them. But, you know, Thanksgiving is, is, is that time we get together and enjoy family. And, and we give thanks. I love that video this morning, didn't you? The never-ending Thanksgiving prayer. You know, it's the time that, that maybe some of you, this will be the one time that your family together will actually sit down and say, let's individually give thanks to God this year for, what, for what's going on. Maybe some of you do it every, every night at your house, but maybe you'll be getting together with a group of family that you know they don't do it, and so you'll encourage, and this will be the moment that Uncle Sal will go ahead and say, you know, I thank you for the Rams this year. Whatever, you know. <laughs> but, but we make it a point to say thank you to God. And that's Thanksgiving. And yet so much of the rest of the year, we're not thinking that way. Here's what this, this message that, that Lee and Anthony have shared last week and this week, and, and it's been sweeping up, is are we really truly thankful for what we have? Said another way, are we content for what we have? You know, Leah made a, a, a great point. I heard all the chuckles and laughed myself. And you know that laughter is directly associated with guilt. <laughs> when she said, we think we're in hard times because we, you know, but we're still going to the tanning salon or, or we go, I can only tan once a month now. Oh, help me. You know, and, and you guys giggled and then probably did like me going, yeah, I'm still doing Starbucks, just not as much. <laughs> whoa, whoa is me. So we're, we're faced with this, aren't we? This is the, the nation that we live is, is quite incredible. We're blessed beyond, beyond means. Who, who has ever traveled to a country uh, a third world country, a country that is, is definitely less well off financially than we are. Those who've done it know how much we have. Those who haven't, please go. If you need to go now, go. Because there's something we need to, to realize of how blessed we are in this nation. 
And we, we need to get a hold of that now to understand that as, as we we're coming down off of a financial high. You know, in, in 2004, roughly 2003, probably 2004, many of you, if you look back into your thing, you probably, if you own a home, you look back and said, man, my house is worth $500,000, $750,000. And today it's worth almost half of that across the board. You know, if you look from 10 years ago, your house is still worth a lot more than it was 10 years ago. Yet we feel like we're suffering so much and we're in such bad shape. This message today is, is well, let's go to the Philippians 4.11. I want to read that and then we want to pray. You know, I... I, these are those days that you almost feel like, boy, man, do I have to pack my bags? Are we going on a guilt trip? <laughs> That's not the point. That's not the purpose. But you know, sometimes we need we need to be shaken up, and we need to be we need to be tested, and we need to be proven. We need to get get things shaken up. But you know, have we learned to be content? Often, no. I, I, I'm not content. But let's read Philippians 4.11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Lord Jesus, as we continue in the Word, and in this message, we pray, God, that Your anointing would come today. God, speak to us right now. I would curse and speak to the enemy who would come and lie and deceive anyone today and who would try to to lie to us or to not let us hear the Word of God, or to try to justify anything in our personal lives, you cannot do that. Your assignment is canceled. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you would open our heart, open our mind, to hear what you have. God, I pray that I would slip away and let you come and stand in my place and share the Word today with us, through me. Help me to be sensitive to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We need to learn to be con- content with what we have. And, and when it's really hard, when it's shaking and when things are difficult, it's hard to be content. We compare to what we used to have. We compare to what we want. We compare to the goals that we had. We compare ourselves to our neighbors and suddenly we feel discontented. But Paul had the secret. He learned a secret. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. He learned. It was something he had to learn. And going on in verse 12, it says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He's learned how to be abased and how to abound. It's a process that we have to learn ourselves. And you know, there, there might be people in here who've really never truly suffered. You might think you have, but your grandparents would look at you and say, you've never really suffered. You know, we go back just a couple of generations of, of those who maybe lived through the Great Depression and lived truly when, when the Depression and the hard times came, they were literally, the average person was in a soup line hoping to get something. 
You know, we hear the statistics and things of comparing this economic crisis to the Great Depression, and yet, I'm sorry, I haven't been in any soup lines, have you? Maybe some of you have, but the most of us haven't. We're not there. Yet, yet we might think we are. But, but the point is, can you be content? Will you be content? We need to learn how to be content. And that's really difficult to do. How did Paul do that? This world and, and the world that he lived in, you know, I mean, goodness, Paul was beaten. He was imprisoned. He had a tough life. And, and he, made, he took that tough life by choice because he came from money. He came from status. He was learned. He was educated. And he, dis, he made the choice to follow his belief. When Jesus came and presented himself to him, Paul said, you are the Christ. And when he decided to follow Christ and he made that decision, he knew that he was leaving a lot. That he was going to become persecuted. And he was. And he himself, he said, but I've learned how to be content. Lord Jesus, I need this lesson. Because when it gets hard and, and I don't feel that I can go get my Starbucks... I feel like, wow, what happened? I used to be able to do what I wanted to do. There, see, Starbucks, there's a point. In fact, it's, it's interesting. Starbucks is packed still. Starbucks stock is still going up. And this is just a freebie. You know why I believe that it's still doing really well? Because Starbucks represents normalcy. If we can go buy ourselves a Starbucks, we're doing okay. It's not as bad as we think it is. And so we'll go ahead and still do it because we need to feel like everything's okay. Does that make sense to you? Can you see maybe there's some truth in that? I think that way at least. But that's not what makes us content. I've got 335. Give me a mocha grande. I'm content. Not because of the flavor, not be, but because I feel okay about my present status. We need to learn to be content in God. We need to be learn, learn contentment no matter what state. And how did Paul learn it? I believe he learned it partly because he read somebody's journal. And he was given a revelation. A revelation that when, when I heard a message similar to this, it hit me and I understood it too. Paul read the, the journal of a great rich man named King Solomon. King Solomon was incredibly rich. King Solomon had so much money in one year. The Bible says that he collected tribute. This is just in one year, a tribute to him of 666 talents of gold. What is a talent? Well, let me tell you. 666 talents of gold is approximately 39,960 pounds of gold in one year. That would, in today, anyone, anyone got gold and going, yes! Anyone got some gold at home, maybe some stock in gold or something? It's $1,100 an ounce right now. $1,100. Huh? There it is. Right? It was just a, just a, a couple of years ago, um, one day somebody came up to me and shook my hand. I knew him. It wasn't like a stranger. And in that hand, was a coin. And I went, cool. And he says, this is for you. And I says, wow. And it said $50 on it. I says, wow, thank you. I'm thinking, 
Well, I didn't realize that that $50 really didn't mean anything because it was a gold eagle. Somebody put in my hand an ounce of gold. And he says, God told me to give that to you. Now, the, the story on that is that that guy had nothing. He had less money, less income than I had. And he's a giver. He's, he's done this his whole life. And I, man, I, I cried because I knew his state. And, and I put it in my pocket. And, and about a year later, I needed to figure out how to pay for my college. So I took it in and cashed that thing in for $917. Well, that was only about a year or so ago, right? So anyways, that's the gold. Gold is going up. That 39,000 pounds of gold would be worth 7,736,256, I'm sorry, 7,736,000,000, dollars In one year, that's what Solomon collected as tribute. He was the man. <laughs> and he had wisdom. He didn't just have wisdom, he had a double portion of wisdom. And that's why God blessed him financially and blessed him like that. He says, God, give me wisdom and God, give him a double portion of wisdom. He was so wise that, that other rulers would come to listen to him. The queen of Sheba, who was rich and powerful, came to say, is this true? And came and listened to him. This was Solomon. The, the writer Josephus, who was a historian, a Jewish historian, said around the turn of the millennium when Christ was born, he wrote some things down. He talked about Solomon, and, and this is why he said that Solomon was so rich and into his whole kingdom thing that he would get really good-looking guys, kind of like me, with <laughs> long, flowing hair. And these guys were buff, and he would put them in the nicest chariots he owned. Right, And he would set them out in the middle of, of Jerusalem in the middle of day and he would sprinkle gold dust in their hair. right, Real gold dust in all of their hair and their, spark, and their chariots would be sparkling and their hair, as the sun would shine, their hair would glimmer. And it was long hair and Solomon would get in his own chariot in the middle of all of this buffness all of this good-lookingness and ride through just so that people could look at Solomon and go, wow! That's the type of, so of guy Solomon was. We can see maybe why he had some problems in his wife and his life. You know, a, a thousand women. Woo! You know what you call somebody who wants more than one wife, don't you? Dumb. <laughs> Ooh, you women couldn't handle more than one husband. Could you? Actually, you kind of have a lot of kids, you know. So we're just one of them. But but that was Solomon. He had everything. He had too much, and he writes a journal. And the journal is a book that we don't like to read. It's called the Book of Ecclesiastes. Paul read that and we get to that part of the Bible, Ecclesiastes, and we start and we read the very first words and we go, uh-uh. Because it starts out, vanity, vanity, life is vanity. Yours might say meaningless, meaningless. Life is meaningless. Who wants to read that? That's right up next to Job. <laughs> You know, just we don't want to go there. But Paul read it and he, and he extracted something out of it. Solomon, his, his philosophy, what happened in his life, he says, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. 
I couldn't say that. Never been able to say. There's been times probably I, I allowed myself to do too many things that my eyes were desiring. But Solomon said, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. And he starts his journal off by saying, vanity, vanity, life is vanity. You know, the word vanity literally means a vapor. In the Hebrew, it's havel. The word havel. And havel literally means vapor. Vapor, vapor. This life is a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. A vapor is something that comes in right now. And, and you know, boy, if somebody came in with this, with this great smelling food right now, we might start beginning to feel like we want lunch. They walk through the sanctuary and they leave and we'll go. And within seconds, it's gone. It's a vapor. The thing with a vapor is it can only be enjoyed right now. Right now in the moment. A vapor is about now. And that's what life is. Life is a vapor. Life is something that you have to live and appreciate and enjoy right now. And Paul learned the secret of being content by reading that. You have to live now and enjoy that. I heard it explained this way. I'm going to move this just a little bit. That life is like a conveyor belt. And on this conveyor belt, each day... An apple comes down. And every day, you get one apple off of your conveyor belt. And that's all you get. And so today comes an apple. And tomorrow, another apple comes. You know, today's apple is different than tomorrow's. Some apples are bigger, some are smaller. Some are better for baking. Some are better for eating. And every once in a while, this apple comes down your conveyor belt. And this is what you get today. And you might think, boy, I like the apple of yesterday better. In fact, I believe that there's three kinds of people in the world. There's three People are divided into three groups of people. And there's those who say, I remember the apple of 1984. (laughs) You know, in 1984, I had the best apple. I was the president, I was the, the captain of the football team, and that year, I made the winning touchdown at homecoming, and they, they, they always talk about yesterday's apple. Oh, I used to own this great business, or I used to have this, and they're always talking about yesterday's apple. They live in the past. But life is a vapor. They talk about it, but they don't enjoy that anymore. Then there's those who are always looking up the conveyor belt, waiting for their apple to come. Someday, I'm going to have a really good apple to enjoy. It's up there. It's up there. And they're working, and they're waiting, and they're fretting over, waiting for this apple, and they're looking in the... In the future. And then there's those that no matter what apple comes down, they take that apple and they use it and they enjoy it as best as they can. Which are you? Which are you? We need to learn how to be like Paul and extract 
enjoyment, extract contentment and enjoyment from a life that gives us differing, differing apples. Because sometimes... Life gives us one of these. Small, brown, soft, and wrinkly. This is not an apple I'm waiting to sink my teeth into. This, this, isn't, this isn't very pleasant. But this is the apple that some of you and myself have received. Who's ever received this apple on their conveyor belt? I remember getting that apple. Yep. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But you know, this apple, that part right there, I think I could take a bite out of it. I might be able to mush this thing up and make some applesauce out of it. If it's not good enough for apples, I can take the seeds out of this thing and plant them. Take the rest of this apple, put them and make a compost pile and fertilize those seeds and grow an apple tree. Because today this is my apple and I have to do something with it. I can't live off of yesterday's vapor. I can't wait for tomorrow to come in. Solomon said, eat, drink and be merry. This is your lot in life. This is your lot in life. It's all about today. What will you do today? What will you do with your apple today? Let's go to, the, go to chapter 6 in Ecclesiastes. Solomon saw something. And I got this. I thank God that, that I, was, I saw this revelation as well. In Ecclesiastes chapter 6, Solomon says this, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men. Common among men and evil, it just means it's a normal, it's just a bad case of the normals. It just happens all the time. It's common. And it says this, A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that he lacks nothing for himself of all he desires... Yet God does not give him power to eat of it, but a foreigner consumes it. Solomon looked around and he says, this is an evil and it's common. It happens all the time. People who have wealth, riches and honor, but they don't have power to eat of it. And that's so sad. That's a horrible thing. How many of you could look around in your life and say, I know who he's talking about. People that you've seen that had riches, they had honor, they had things, and yet didn't seem like they enjoyed it, didn't seem like they really understood what they had. What was that? What was that line in there? It says that God did not give him the power to eat of it. When I, I used to read that, and I, I, it was one of those parts where I went, uh huh, and I just kept reading. Because you go, what is he talking about? What do you mean God doesn't give him the power to eat of it? You know, my, my mind always went to that he, he got all this stuff and as soon as he got it, God like took it away and gave it to somebody else. But that's not what I believe, believe he's talking about. 
And this is the revelation that I got. And I pray that as, as you get it, it will change our lives. The answer to what that means of not empowering to, to enjoy it is found in chapter 5, starting in verse 18. This is another man that says, here's what I've seen. It is good and fitting to, for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. We have two people. We have one who's rich, wealth, honor, who doesn't have the power to eat of it. And then we have another man who has the same things, but God gives him the power to eat of it. What's the difference? Let me point out the difference. This is the gift of God. The first man has the power to eat of everything that he has because he realizes that what he has is a gift from God. The other man, there is no mention that he understood that what he had was a gift from God. He didn't understand that. And the word here, empower, in the Hebrew is the word shalat. Shalat. It literally means to empower somebody. In this case, it means to empower to enjoy it. So God, for some reason, empowers some to enjoy what they have, and He doesn't empower others to enjoy what they have. He shalots one, and He doesn't shalot the other. Why isn't God shalotting? Because we're not recognizing that what we have is a gift from God. We need to understand that as we work and we have whatever it is that we have, that God has given it to us. And as we begin to give Him thanks and recognize His goodness, that no matter what it is that we have, He will shalat us. That's the secret of contentment. Whatever apple comes down, we go, this is a gift from God. God allowed this in my life. You know, even temptations, tribulations, adversities are a gift from God. Because if He allows you to go through it, He believes that you're strong enough to go through it and to withstand it. And so therefore, it's a gift of God that He finds you worthy to go through it because He's going to help you to get better coming out of it. And that's sometimes these little apples. And you say, God, thank you that you found me worthy to go through this trial. I'm going to plant these seeds because I'm not going to eat it. That's the other one. I'm going to plant these seeds. I'm not going to eat this one today, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it today and recognize that you gave me this apple. That's the secret of contentment. God needs to empower us to enjoy what we have. There's a principle at work in our life. It's a principle that God wants us to get and more and more as we see these times growing. I, I had a friend years ago and uh, you know she was a really sweet lady but her, her theology was askewed. Whenever she had good things in her life, she would just say, yeah, I've got these good things. 
But whenever something bad came, she blamed God. So she recognized God for bad and recognized herself and fate and other things for good. And overall, she didn't enjoy what she had. God didn't shallot her. She wasn't enjoying, she wasn't empowered to enjoy the things that she had. Is that you? It's me. It's me at times when I have so much around me and I I complain because I don't have the second car that we used to have. You know, boy, we've got four kids. It's hard to get around with one car. We really need another car. Begin to complain and not rejoice and thank God for the things that He's given us. And then I don't even enjoy the things that I had. I began to learn the lesson very well when I lived on the mission field. We moved down to to Guatemala and and our income was really low. Living by faith, it was was just incredible. Because we we would receive our, our support and so many people were so faithful to give. But, you know, our support would come in about the 30th, 31st, 1st, sometimes 3rd, 4th, 5th of the month. And... Because the way we, that money would, were, was to cover the food and expenses for the, the coming month like most of us do. We never knew how much it was going to be. And there were times that the support would come in and there wasn't enough money for food. We could pay our rent and had zero for food. Now, in the States, I just go, Mom, can we come over for dinner? <laughs> right? You know, we go to the food bank. We were the rich missionaries. When we didn't have food there, I couldn't even go out and get a job. It was illegal for me to work. And we didn't know anybody. They didn't have any money anyways. We didn't have a place to go to get food. We didn't have a place to go to get dinner. We just lived on faith. And every time we did that, God provided for us. And we were thankful for everything we had. We walked for a year and a half, living in a third world country with a two-year-old and a five-and-a-half-year-old. We walked everywhere for a year and a half, had no car, and we were thankful. We were good. We knew, even under our circumstances, we had so much more than the people around us. And we realized it. Eventually, we got a car. We were ecstatic about that car. It was a Ford Bronco, 1984 Ford Bronco. It had been totaled in the United States. One of those cars that you see on Arctic Circle that had flipped. They pulled it up, shipped it down there, they bent the body back, and we bought it. Literally, this thing drove down the road like that. I mean, it it was funny. And we were so grateful for it. Because before I had that car walking home one night after ministry, I got robbed at knife point. Two guys came up and stuck a knife in my throat and took everything I had, including my wedding ring and my Bible. I was so thankful for that which I had. And you know what? I enjoyed every... I didn't enjoy every minute. That's a lie. (laughs) There were some really hard times there. But I enjoyed what we had. I enjoyed life. 
We enjoyed the relationships. I was in a point that I think God was shallotting me. I recognized that, boy, He was the giver of all good things. He was the giver of everything we had. And He empowered me to enjoy it. And we moved to the States. i got to tell you about the couch. i got to tell you about that. We had a couch. We had a couch in Guatemala that was smaller than these two chairs. I mean, these two chairs, you can get two rears in it okay. Our couch was so small, it was one adult and one little kid rear, right? I mean, you know, we were squished in there. You know, some people say, well, that's not a couch. That was a love seat. It wasn't a love seat. It was a hate seat. Because if my wife and I tried to occupy that same sofa, we would get angry with each other. Move! But we had something to sit on that wasn't just a wood chair. We moved to the States. And we looked around and we says, we need a couch set. And began to upgrade. Looked around at everything everyone else had and felt so discontented because we didn't have enough. Within weeks, the American dream is really an American nightmare because you never can keep up with the Joneses. Because once you catch up with the Joneses, the Millers move next door and they have more than the Joneses. And so you stop looking at them and you look up. Why is it that we're always looking upstream and we're never looking down? If we were to look down and and not on people, but down economically and look at all the millions and billions of people around the world that have so much less than we do, we would say, I've got too much. But we always want to look up. And once you get to that level, you look up another level and say, what about them? They still have more than us. My pastor was showing a wonderful thing. I, you know, I wish God would do this for all of us, and if we're open, He will. He, uh, my former pastor in, in Oakdale, he was out walking in this really incredibly nice area. It was called the Vineyard, and all these seven, eight hundred thousand dollar homes, just beautiful. And he was walking and exercising, and his salary is low. They've got one car. It's they've got a 1982. Suburban or some little car that's that's their car and it just had issues. They don't have a lot. And he's walking around as he's the servant of God, looking at these houses and these boats and these motorhomes. He says, God, how come they have so much? And he says, Yeah, and I forget what God said to him in that moment, but basically like I'll take care of you. And two years later he was doing that same trek foreclosed, foreclosed, foreclosed. And God said, see, they didn't own any of it. They lost it all. But we're always looking there. God, help us to be content wherever we're at. Some of you have children that you don't enjoy or didn't enjoy. Because we're always looking for the apple coming up. I've got to work harder. I've got to do something different. We've got to make a better house. I've got to... But we need to enjoy what we have in the moment and say, I'm going to eat this apple. I'm going to cherish this apple. Begin to live in the moment. Life is a vapor. Enjoy it today and give thanks to God because He's given it to us. See, there's a problem in the church and it's a nose problem. We have a nose problem because, see, God gives everybody certain things. He gives us gifts. 
He gives us graces. Some He blesses financially. Some He decides that He wants to keep them at a certain level because He wants to teach them something. He gives everybody wonderful things, but we're always sticking our nose in every, everybody else's bag. We're always looking, well, God, You gave them the gift of, of prophecy. I want the gift of prophecy. God, You gave them money. I want that money. We're always looking into others. We need to get our nose back into what God has given us and begin to live and say, God, thank you that you've given me that which you've given me. Help me to appreciate it. Help me to enjoy it. Help me to use it for your glory. Ecclesiastes 6.3 It says, if a man begets, just a couple verses over, if a man begets a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with goodness... Or indeed, he has no burial. I say that a stillborn child is better than he. He had all of this. And here's the thing. In that verse, when it says that his soul is not satisfied with goodness, it re- literally means that he could not see the goodness. He couldn't see it. He had all of it and he couldn't see it. God, help us to see it. Help us to enjoy it in the moment. God, Thank you for what I have. I want to enjoy this life. Please shallot me. Don't we want to enjoy the things we have? Instead of waiting for the things to get better or remembering the good old days. God, help me to enjoy it. Get our nose back into our own bag and begin to appreciate what God is doing, but we're still arguing with God about His plan for us. God, what's your plan? They've got a better plan. They've got a better plan. What's my plan? Begin to thank God for His plan for you. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians. Thessalonians is in the T section of the Bible. There's five T's all together. So when you find the T's, you're there. It's the last of the E in books. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. God, what's your will? Who's prayed that? God, what's your will for my life? You know where the will of God starts for our life? Right here. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. God, I don't want to be here. What's your will for my life? You're never going to find it. Because you haven't given thanks. God, thank you for where I'm at. Help me to see what I'm going through. Help me to see the lessons you want me to learn. Help me to grow in grace. Help me to grow in strength. And help me to be ready when you show me what your will is. Give thanks in all circumstances because this is the will. That's the beginning of it. And as you do that, He's going to shallot you. This is a wonderful message because no matter what you have, you can enjoy the position and the status that you're in. Some of the people I met in Guatemala were the most happiest people I ever met. Not because of what they had and not because of their future apples. These people knew there were no future apples for them. 
It was day to day and they got together with their families and they went to church and they served God and they were happy and they were enjoying their life. God had given them a blessing and a grace. He empowered so many, not all of them, but He empowered so many to enjoy what they have. I remember Magdalena. I don't know if I've talked to you about Magdalena. Magdalena was this sweet woman who scooched down the street because she had no legs. And she wore these gloves. Do you remember Magdalena? Magdalena would scooch down with a smile on her face and stop as you walked by and she'd smile at you and she never asked. She never asked for money. But as she did it, she would put out her hand. You might give her a quetzal. And I would sit and talk with her And she had something. She had a joy. There was something in her life. God, I believe, had shalotted her to enjoy that which she had. No legs and no job. You know, there's no training. When you lose your legs down in Guatemala in a third world country, they don't pay you all this money and then teach you how to do something behind a computer that you can do. That doesn't exist. They go, you have no legs, you can't come to work, then stay home. We'll hire somebody else for the job. So, so she would go and do the only thing that she could. But she had a joy in her. I want that joy. I want that contentment. Whether I don't have a, li- a, a lot or I have a lot. How many times have we seen people that had so much and they still weren't content? We know that that's not the secret. The secret is, let me be content in you, God. Let me recognize that whatever I have, it's a gift from you. We're not deists. We're Christians. We believe that God is living and active in our lives, that He is really doing things. And if we begin to really recognize that, not that He's just far off going, whatever happens to those guys, let it happen. But He's involved in your life. And say, God, thank You for being involved in my life. I can't see it. I can't see Your hand today. Because everything in my life is pretty yucky. But I know that you said that you're in control. I know that you promised that you won't let me go through anything that you and I together can't handle. So I thank you for it today. And he goes, Shalat. And we go, thank you. And begin to enjoy that which we have. Give thanks. This is his will. Not because it's good for him. Because it's good for us. God doesn't need our thanks. But He knows that as we give thanks, it's good for us. That's what He wants to do. He wants us to really be satisfied and content no matter the situation we're going. And I tell you, that's what I want. You know, I I don't want to feel guilty about complaining because that's where I live. I get upset. I get down. I complain. And then I come back to my senses and I get guilty because I know that I have so much. God, help me daily. Help me daily to go, thank you. And enjoy my kids. Enjoy my family. Enjoy the family of God. So much we can accomplish. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the world could see people who were truly content? And just... Man, you're so, you're so content. You know, content is different than happiness. You know, and I'm not talking about being fake and plastic and everything. 
it's great. <laughs> but content. Enjoying those things. We're, we're going to have hard times. But holding on. See, that's the full gospel. God is going to at times bless us so financially abundantly that we'll have more than we could ask for and imagine. And some of you have said, I've been there. And at times He's going to say, you know what, it's, I'm going to take you through a season of leanness. And some of you have been there too. Be content. God, help me to be content in all things. Help me to recognize that You are the giver of all of these things. If there's one thing to help you remember this. What's it called when God empowers you? Empowers you to enjoy it. What's it called? Shalot. Shalot. How do you get shalotted? By giving thanks. So if you remember one thing today, remember this. Thanks, Shalot. <laughs> thanks, Shalot. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going we're gonna to close in a song. And boy, you know, as we go into this Thursday, it's a great warm-up time to be thankful. But as we pass Thursday and get beyond Thanksgiving, getting into Christmas, to continue to be thankful. No matter what comes. For some of you this year, Christmas is going to be interesting. In our house, it's a little interesting. I, te- I personally, I like to buy gifts for my kids and for my family. I really enjoy that. The gifts have gotten smaller this year. There's a lot less of them. And it would be a, one of those times that we could say, <sighs> instead go, thank you, God. We're going to have more time to talk on Christmas morning instead of open presents. But let's give thanks to God. This First Timothy 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Never seen a hearse with a U-Haul. Amen. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. The focus here this morning before you go, just one more time, is that godliness with contentment is great gain. Just being contented and being thankful isn't enough. You need the godliness part. There's a lot of people out there that don't know Jesus. And they tend to have an attitude that's pretty good. They're fairly thankful. They seem fairly contented. But without Christ, it's empty. Amen? You can have it all here, but have nothing in the hereafter without Christ. So I just want to implore you today, exhort you, If you have not asked Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, to be your Savior, if you've never told Him that you're the sinner that He's been looking for, He's looking for you this morning. So in closing, I'd like to bow our heads one more time. And I'm going to say a simple prayer that if you would like to ask Christ to come into your heart, I'd like for you just to speak it after me to Him.
You don't even have to say it out loud if you don't want to. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just want to usher you into knowing Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're the Savior. Thank you for this message this morning of being contented. And while in my heart I want to do better, I understand that without you, I'll never really be contented. Thank you for the blessings you've brought into my life without my even knowing it. This morning I want to surrender my heart to you. I want to give you something back. And here's what I have to offer. A broken, sinful heart. A life that up till now has been out of control. But I would like to put you in control of my heart and my life. I confess that I'm the sinner you've been looking for. And I'm glad you found me today. I surrender. Surrender all that I am and that all that I have and whatever the future holds, I trust to you. Be my Lord and thank you for saving me and giving me the gift of eternal life today. As I leave here, teach me how to walk and live with you. In Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for this today. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you've prayed that simple prayer together with me this morning, to tell somebody you did that before you're gone. Tell your neighbor, tell the person that brought you, come tell me, but you need to tell somebody. You need to let it come out of your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. All right? Is that okay? Happy Thanksgiving.